Hi, I'm Jeff Kober, and we welcome you to this Disney at Work podcast. Disney at Work is dedicated to providing you inspiration and ideas, whether it's at work or home or in your daily lives, ideas from the happiest place on earth. The title of our podcast today is Disney Closes Its Parks and A Great Big Beautiful Tomorrow. The title seems ironic, doesn't it? My first podcast about coronavirus was an effort to get out in front of it. In fact, I believe I was probably the first to do a full podcast that talked about the virus's potential impact on Disney. Already it had impacted Shanghai, Hong Kong, and Tokyo, but I saw the potential for it also impacting the parks in the United States, as well as the cruise line and Disneyland Paris. Well, now it's impacted all of it. But at the time I did the podcast, I got a lot of flack because because of the title, some felt that I was trying to create clickbait. But in truth, the original title could be read in more than one way. And my intent was not to create clickbait, but to provide a measured look at the potential impact of the virus and what it might mean to park goers here in the United States. I have since re-listened again to that podcast and I stand by the approach that I took. However, I felt like I needed to do another podcast. If that podcast was about, well, getting ahead of the situation and being in front of it, I felt like there was a need to provide a podcast that simply provided context, ideas, and perhaps even inspiration for moving forward. I'd like to think I have a good pulse on all things Disney, but I have to be honest, I'm, I'm shocked at how impacted the parks and cruise line have quickly become by coronavirus in such a short time. And I'm concerned, based on CDC statements recently, how long this, well, this situation may last. Now, I'll repeat what I said in my first podcast. The health of people are simply more important than any theme park. But that doesn't mean people aren't impacted by the resort closings. Uh, And everyone's impacted by coronavirus in some small way or another. This particularly played out the other evening as I was at the Magic Kingdom and I saw college program cast members gathering for group photos and tearfully saying their goodbyes. It was a difficult and yes, abrupt decision Disney made to end the college program and to send everyone back home. But their living arrangements were not unlike college dorms, and as most know, those have largely been emptied out to prevent further breakouts by the virus. Still, I was touched and moved to observe these college program cast members, what the experience at Disney had meant to them, and what their sudden departure was creating for them. To that end, I kind of dedicate this podcast to them. I also dedicate it to my children who are also going through all the same kinds of emotions 
that many of those college program cast members are going through. With such sweeping changes impacting not only our individual lives, but the world as a whole, it can be incredibly daunting. I myself am not immune in some way, large or small, to the impact of this virus. I have a pregnant daughter working at a flagship retail store uh, in New York City. Fortunately, they've decided to temporarily close their doors. But she has been concerned in recent weeks about potential contact, especially as she's waiting to give birth to her first baby. More concerning is that I have another pregnant daughter, a daughter-in-law, working ICU in a hospital in Washington, D.C. Today, they learned that someone in ICU has been exposed to the virus. She is serving courageously on the front lines, but that doesn't change my concern about her health. In another situation, I have a daughter and a wife who work in the school system. I also have an autistic son who has been sent home from school. They do not know how they will ultimately be impacted or when any of them will be going back. I have a son and son-in-law who work in the theme park business. And while they're getting paid, while the parks are closed, they really are not sure just how long that will occur. Not only is my work gone away, but my ability to explore possible opportunities in the near future, that too is kind of melted away. So I'm impacted. And finally, I'm surrounded here in Orlando by friends and neighbors who are totally dependent on the tourism economy. I've been blessed to know some great managers and leaders in this business. But I also know many who are just simply service collar workers. And while some are being supported, others are not. And so this whole situation is, is impacting many people. As a result, people, whether they live in Orlando or on the other side of the world, people are feeling insecure. They wanna have some kind of control. They wanna be assured. They wanna feel like they can take the ball and run with and do something and not simply be left to be a victim of this situation. Well, to that extent, I wanted to present this evening three things that you can do in this situation. First, stay positive. The other evening, I was at Disney Springs. It was the same day that Disneyland had announced during the day that it was going to close. I was in a particular Disney store when I received text that Walt Disney World was also going to close. I was near a, a clerk and mentioned this to her, and she said, oh yeah, we learned a couple of, a couple of hours ago about that. I, I thought, well, that's interesting. I'm surprised it took me so long to hear about this. And, and, and she didn't seem too phased by it. But then as I talked to her a little bit further, I realized she thought I was talking about Disneyland, not Walt Disney World, where we were living. Well, when I pointed this out to her, you could see a very different face on her. I brought out a, uh, I looked for an article online on my, on my mobile device 
and I kind of started reading the article. She grabbed another clerk and they started talking about it. It was really interesting because at that time, the decision was made that uh, while the parks were closing, the uh, Disney Springs was going to stay open. And mind you, we had inferred, partly because it had been announced by Disneyland, but partly because we eventually found it in one of the articles, that cast members were going to be paid during the closing. One was happy that Disney Springs was not going to be closing. The other was wishing Disney Springs would close. She, in particular, was wanting to not have to go into work because she was also taking care of an aging mother and didn't want the possibility of exposing being exposed to something that ultimately could um, could impact um, her mother. It was just interesting seeing these two individuals talk about th their different points of opinion. And now that Disney Springs has announced that it too is closing, I wonder what the conversation is like between them. It's simply hard to stay positive um, despite the situation. I'd like to refer to a, a quote by Roy O. Disney, who once spoke of the Great Depression. I think it's so important to have context of previous experiences. I know that uh, in my wife's family, her grandmother uh, was directly impacted by the Spanish influenza. It literally took the lives of her parents and she was raised by by an aunt so she literally saw that experience play out and it played out in my wife's family but roy disney talks about the depression and when he talks about this he he noted quote when the banks were closed in 1933 of course i was frantic what are we going to do for money so I was stewing and worrying, and Walt was impatient with me. He, Walt, said, quote, Quit worrying about it. People aren't going to stop living just because banks are closed. What the hell? We'll make potatoes the medium of exchange. We'll pay everyone in potatoes, end of quote. Well, that was kind of Walt's perception during the heart of the Depression. I'm sure he wasn't that way every day, but he did make that statement at one occasion to Roy Disney. The song, Who's Afraid of the Big Bad Wolf, was a popular tune by Frank Churchill, who later wrote the songs for Snow White and the Seven Dwarfs, and was tied to Disney's silly symphony success, which was The Three Little Pigs. It came at a time when the country was embroiled in a deep depression. The song also speaks of working through one's fears and difficulties through action and effort. Walt Disney noted the following, and I'm deeply impressed by this quote. He says, quote, people sort of live in the dark about things. A lot of young people, mind you, young people, those were people older than I was back in the 60s. A lot of young people think the future is closed to them, that everything has been done. This is not so. There are still plenty of avenues to be explored. For youngsters of today, I say, believe in the future. The world is getting better. There is still plenty of opportunity, end of quote. Well, Walt was a leader who built his life on the power of dreaming. 
and he built it on the power of persistence. It is healthy to reflect on what has been, how much better things are than they were, and how much prom how promising things could be. After all, tomorrow's just a dream away. Which brings us to that song that is part of the title. The context is set of life experiences that Walt Disney had eventually led to creating an attraction that celebrated the past, present, and future. Known as the Carousel of Progress, it included a wonderful song that spoke to Walt's paradigm of life. It's a great big beautiful tomorrow. In the 50th anniversary text to the sounds of Disneyland, we read, quote, to convey the thought that life would forever be improving and to provide a comfortable link between the depicted de decades, Walt abandoned the use of historic songs and instead asked his staff songwriters, the Sherman brothers, to create a new one. He requested a timeless tune of unflagging optimism, flexible enough to be performed in a musical style appropriate to each act, yet simple enough to stay with the audience long after the show was over. Quote, Richard Robert Sherman, then hard at work on Mary Poppins, returned with There's a Great Big Beautiful Tomorrow. The buoyant and versatile refrain not only expressed the spirit and essence of the proceedings as Walt had requested, but perfectly summed up what Richard Sherman calls the wonderful positiveness with which their boss reviewed the possibilities of each new day. You know the lyrics to this song, end of quote, by the way. You know the lyrics to this song. There's a great, big, beautiful tomorrow shining at the end of every day. There's a great, big, beautiful tomorrow and tomorrow's just a dream away. Man has a dream and that's the start. He follows his dream with mind and heart. And when it becomes a reality, it's a dream come true for you and me. This song, penned for the 1964 World's Fair, is a song that people embrace because it embodies the possibilities of a wonderful future. But we forget about what was happening during the years the fair ran in New York of 1964 and 1965. For instance, still grieving and clad in black dress, Mrs. Jacqueline Kennedy's visit to the World's Fair was one of the first public appearances she made with her family since the murder of her husband in Dallas just months earlier. Their daughter, Carolyn Kennedy, was so convinced that the puppy in the Carousel of Progress was real, she begged her mother to bring it home. Carolyn's uncle and Jacqueline's brother-in-law Robert Kennedy also visited the fair with his family, unknowing of what future lay ahead of him. Hardly a great big beautiful tomorrow. There were other things happening during those same two years that the Carousel of Progress ran during the fair. During that time, carpet bombing was going on in North Vietnam. Martin Luther King was leading protesters from Selma across the Edmund Pettus, Pettus Bridge to Montgomery. At the fair, those who were associated with CORE, or 
the Congress of Racial Equality, complained against protests by Sponge or the Society for the Prevention of Negroes Getting Everything. That, that was happening at the fair. Meanwhile, the NAACP was protesting a minstrel-like song being played out, the, out in the Chrysler Pavilion at the fair. American Jews were handing out flyers protesting Arabs in front of the Jordan Pavilion, while the Action Committee on American-Arab Relations handed out flyers in front of the American-Israel Pavilion. And then there was the 15-year-old who jumped another individual and plunged a hunting knife into the person all over a nickel who had not been paid out there on the Flushing Meadows grounds. The only one who seemed to fare well from the fair was Richard Nixon, who at the time was in political exile from several recent defeats. But when he visited the fair, he found mobs in Flushing Meadow pleading with the former vice president for his autograph. That renewed Nixon's energy and eventually running for president. But of course, we all know what a big, bright, beautiful tomorrow that created. Now, honestly, I don't remember much of those times. I was only three and four in 1964 and 65. But I remember well years like 1967, 1969, and 1972. Listening to the words of Walter Cronkite on the news, I learned about deadly college protests to different things like Watergate cover-ups, things that were not pretty. But still, 50 years later, the message still has meaning. It's a great big beautiful tomorrow shining at the end of every day. A great big beautiful tomorrow and tomorrow's just a dream away. You know, the other day, a former Disney leader stated on Facebook, quote, you will soon learn how much your organization loves you as layoffs, firings, and reduced hours begin. I was taken back by the cynicism of that and frankly responded to the Facebook post with a different sort of response. I chose to write in a separate post, quote, complex times create opportunities for individuals and teams to rise up. Rather than hunkering down, they lead, engage, think out of the box, and persist. This brings me to my second thought. The first was that we should stay positive. The second is to rise up, think and act anew. They say in Pandora, Sivako, rise to the challenge. How can we rise to the challenge in this particular instance? Tim Cook the other day quoted President Lincoln who said in a time of great adversity, quote, the occasion is piled high with difficulty and we must rise with the occasion. As our case is new, so we must think anew and act anew. I think that really frames the idea of what this second step is all about. We need to rise up with new ideas and think differently. In the film, Tomorrowland, the character Hugo said, quote, have you ever wondered what would happen if all the geniuses 
the artists, the scientists, the smartest, most creative people in the world decided to actually change it. Where, where could they even do such a thing? They'd need a place free from politics and bureaucracy, distractions, a secret place where they could build whatever they were crazy enough to imagine. You know, that's what we all need to do. We need to find that place, that Tomorrowland, where we can rise to the challenges of our situation. Already, there are people rising up to the challenges of this virus. People who are thinking out of the box, thinking a little differently. It may be as simple as stores, letting the elderly come in first in the morning to shop when the store has been cleaned and disinfected and before others are passing through. In another more complex situation, MRI Global, a Kansas City Research Institute, created a unique high-tech biocontainment pod that was used in the evacuation of um, Americans and others who were quarantined on a cruise ship off of the coast of Japan. In a very different, different perspective, a Jordanian designer took the growing glitter trend a step further by encouraging global citizens to stay safe and stop the spread of coronavirus by donning masks covered in Swarovski Sarovsky crystals. Don't know if I pronounced that correct. We'll include some other examples of how innovation is helping mitigate the coronavirus threat. They're real, practical, great ideas out there. And if people can use technology and artistry and out-of-the-box thinking to address the challenges around them, well, how can we do the same for whatever our circumstance may be? Whether it's we're out of work or whether we are anxious about a situation um, that might be threatening us. We too can rise up and think anew and act anew in our situation. That was number two. The third is to get busy and serve others. There is a difference between being anxious and being anxiously engaged. Being anxious is allowing a million little things to ruin your world. Being anxiously engaged is doing millions of little things to make the world a little better. You know, Mary Poppins speaks of a certain honeybee. She sings the honeybee that fetched the nectar from the flowers to the comb, never tire of ever buzzing to and fro because they take a little nip from every flower that they sip and hence they find their task is not a grind. If we could learn to take little nips from the little flowers that we reach out to in our busyness day by day, we might find that our task is not such a grind. You know, over a short lifetime of just a few weeks to maybe a four months or so, a single honeybee's contribution of honey to its hive is a mere one-twelfth of one teaspoon. It's estimated that to produce one pound of honey, the average hive of 20,000 to 60,000 bees must collectively visit millions of flowers and travel the equivalent of two times around the world. 
to, prov to provide just that amount of honey, though seemingly insignificant when compared to the total. Each bee's one-twelfth of a teaspoon of honey is vital to the life of the hive. The bees depend on each other. Work that would be overwhelming for a few bees becomes lighter, all because all the bees faithfully do their part. Together, everyone can do a little. And the little we all do can make a big difference. So find someone to bring the magic to. Create a magical day for someone else by serving someone else. Allow me to share a personal story. As I thought about this song the last couple of days, I thought, I need to practice this. Overwhelmed by the events as well for me and my family, I thought, I need to find a place to serve. This morning, my thought was, I'm going to go mow the yard. I thought, yard, I keep breaking this piece that you pulled to get the lawnmower started. I've had to go back several times to get replacement parts, and I was just determined that I was going to finish getting the lawn mowed. So I, as I was getting ready to go out and do so, my wife came by and said, you know, a friend of ours, we knew a church who was in a wheelchair, she was having problems with the battery of her, her wheelchair. And she said, you know, Jeff, if you could go by and get that battery and take it over to a, a replacement place and see if we couldn't get another one for her, that would really help her. Well, my mind was on, I got it, I got to get the lawn mowed, but I promised her I'd get it done sometime this week. Well, I get out there, I start pulling on this lawnmower, and it wasn't the third pull before the whole thing completely broke again, leaving me no possibility of getting that lawn mowed. And I just sat there for a minute thinking, okay, what does this all mean? What am I supposed to do with that? Well, I decided maybe I just need to stop and go help Sally with her battery. Now, I don't mean to make myself some hero of the story. Um, we love Sally, and it's not so hard to serve her because she's just a sweet, sweet individual who needs support and who is wonderful in supporting others. It's just amazing how one life touches another and she touches ours. Well, anyway, I get over there and I'm no mechanic, but you know, I pulled the whole thing apart and I figured it all out. And then I tell her, okay, I'm gonna take this over to a particular store and, uh, and get a replacement battery. So I go over and I get to the store. I'd never been there before. Um, you know, they kind of serve uh, uh, medical um, wheelchairs and replacement parts and different kinds of things you need for, for healthcare purposes. And, and I'm trying to get this service. And this guy named Charlie, he, he starts working with me. And then he turns to me, he says, you're Jeff Kober, aren't you? I'm a little surprised because I don't remember having ever met this person. He goes, I said, yeah, how, how, do, you, how do you know me? He goes, oh, yeah, no, I remember you because you were teaching some training classes over at Give Kids the World. Now, if you're not familiar with Give Kids the World, it's this wonderful place in our community where I, I want to say tens of thousands of volunteers come together to help terminally ill children um, be able to, to come at, with their families and to experience kind of a, a resort vacation getaway. 
Uh, they have a complete resort there and and all the parks provide tickets and transportation everything uh, make a wish works with them and they they provide this really incredible experience it's just a fantastic group of people and pam landworth who's over it who's who did the forward for our second edition of our book lead with your customer she's been a great friend of ours we're both formerly from disney and we've known each other so we've always said hey pam you know can we can we help you out with anything and and uh, so we've kind of helped do a, a few programs and trainings for them over the years. Nothing much. I, I wish we could have done a lot more. But here was this guy saying, yeah, I remember your programs. They were really memorable. And then he shared with me some things he remembered about that program. You know, that really touched me. For a guy who was kind of like between gigs because everything in the world has suddenly come crashing and nobody wants a, a keynote speaker or a program, training program when when travel is cut and all that's happened, here was a guy out of the blue saying, yeah, I really appreciate your programs. It really was a tender mercy. It really touched me and I, I needed I needed to hear that today from someone. Um, and and he was just really helpful and, and uh, got me on my way. I got back over to Sally, who was really appreciative of the help I gave and I just recommitted myself that I needed to reach back out to give kids the world and see how I might be able to better support them. In fact, as I reflected on that, when I was doing those programs, it was back during the recession when business was also slow then. But I decided I rather than sit around being sorry for myself, I'd get out and do something. You know, when we all just do our little bit, it really does create magic for others. I'm no better than any other bee in the hive. But when we're all together being busy, so to speak, well, uh, you know, we find that our task is not a grind. And so I really recommend these three messages from today. First, stay positive. It's going to be okay. There is a great, big, beautiful tomorrow underway. Second, rise up. Sivako, think and act anew. And third, just get busy and serve others. It'll help you to be distracted from your own woes when you go and take the time to help serve others. Now, in all of my podcasts at Disney at Work, we like to kind of sum up the experience by sharing some souvenirs for your organization, or in this case, really for you, your life and your situation. Ask yourself the following questions. Am I optimistic about the future, despite my circumstances? What does a great big beautiful tomorrow look like to those around me? How am I working? to create a big, beautiful world. How can we, Sivako, rise to the challenge? How can we use technology to help us better face our current difficulties? How can we get busy and serve others? And how could serving others refocus the anxieties I feel about my own situation? Well, that does it for today. Thank you for joining us for this Disney at Work podcast. If you're listening to us, 
Well, you undoubtedly have a love of all things Disney. Don't you wish you could just bring the magic to your own place of employment? Well, that's what we do at Disney at Work. We bring best in business ideas from the happiest place on earth to you and your workplace. We bring those concepts to you via our posts, podcasts, videos, books, programs, consulting, and more. Be sure to check out my latest book, Disney Leadership and You. This volume offers not only an inside look at how leaders can create the magic, but how you can apply those principles and ideas to your own business, to your own life, to your own organization. Disney at Work is part of Performance Journeys, where we're committed to helping you improve your organization. So hey, if you need a keynote speaker, a seminar for your business, conference, or group, hey, we offer a variety of topics. I'm someone who's been in the trench for scores of organizations uh, and really understand the issues that they face. So reach out to me, contact me by email and phone, and let's talk about what's happening in your workplace, what you need. Listening is the best gift I can give you, so feel free to reach out so we can discuss your needs. Thank you again for this week's show. We appreciate you taking the time to listen, and we really appreciate those who take the time to share this podcast and others like it with friends and colleagues. As of the time this actually will go out, we will reach a milestone of our first 10,000 podcast downloads. I know that has nothing compared to others who have done over a million downloads, but hey, we're just the little engine that could. And like that, we need your help to kind of bring this to others. So if you could share, please do so. Finally, in the words of Sinbad's storybook voyage, be sure, follow the compass of your heart and have a great day.